Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You're only as good as your word, and he stands by his. This is The Roy Green Show. Send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. That's the email address. We're on Twitter at The Roy Green Show, and we will be touching base with Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe before the end of the program today. Just an issue of time zones. Time zones are the bane of our existence in this business. Because if it's 2 o'clock here, it's 4 o'clock somewhere else, and you know how it goes. Now, what's going to happen on the 12th of May when the President of the United States makes his decision about the extension of or not to extend the Iran nuclear deal? The President of France, uh, Monsieur Macron, was in Washington last week and trying to persuade President Trump to carry on with the Iran deal. But it looks as though the President has decided that's not the way he's going to go. And joining us to speak about that is Benham Ben Taliblu. He's the Iran deal specialist. He's a research fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies in Washington. Mr. Taliblu, thank you very much for the time. What is the logical reason for the president to say we're not going to continue with this the way it is? Uh, well, first and foremost, great to be with you. I think the president has uh, sufficiently critiqued the deal both when he was uh, campaigning and when he was president-elect and when he finally entered office in January 2017. Uh, since that time, the administration has rolled out a comprehensive Iran strategy that says the Iran nuclear issue does not sufficiently define the threat posed uh, by the Islamic Republic of Iran to U.S. allies' interests and security. Um, so I think there's sufficient criticism against the deal there because it's front-loaded, gives the Islamic Republic too much, um, and that Iran can simply gain more by staying in the deal. And the nature of uh, Iran's concessions uh, are not at the same level of the U.S. concessions. That being said, he actually hasn't made a decision yet. And I think we're going to be going down to a, a bit of a nail-biter on this one until May 10 or May 11. Uh, yeah, if, if, if you're going to bet $2 or $100 or $1,000... And I know they're taking bets at the uh, at the legal betting shops in the U.K. on this. The betting is that President Trump will say, we will not continue with this the way it is, because, as you say, he's been talking about this deal, saying it's the worst deal in history, certainly for the United States. Why, then, are the Europeans, why, then, are the French, why is the EU so sold on continuing with the deal as it is? Well, there's three reasons why I see the Europeans uh, being so steadfast and wanting to continue with the JCPOA. Uh, the first is, of course, commercial. Uh, uh, there wouldn't be any secondary sanctions on EU banks or businesses uh, doing transactions with Iran uh, as long as the JCPOA is enforced. In fact, the longer the JCPOA is enforced, the less restrictions will actually be on Iran, the greater the opportunity for commercial contracts for Europe. The second is that, you know, the deal was negotiated over a period of a year and a half, almost two years, and it had a significant multilateral international component to it. And if you're a proponent of multilateral diplomacy, um, and you are a member of the EU, and if you're someone like Federica Mogherini, who's that uh, EU foreign policy 
and security uh, chief, then you're going to see this as a deal that's worth defending and preserving because there's sufficient time and energy put into it. And uh, they view it as an accomplishment. And Europe doesn't tend to take the same view of the Iran threat that the U.S. does, which is they see more opportunities for business and the U.S. sees more opportunities uh, to actually contain and, and deter and roll back uh, the key regional security threat. Uh, so when you say when you say normative, when you say key regional security threat, we're talking about the development of nuclear weapons by Iran, and they've made it very clear they don't believe Israel has the right to exist. So that threat is not to be taken lightly from a regime such as the one in Iran. So what can the president do to forestall Iran's accelerating? Um, developing such a weapon if the deal is modified significantly into the displeasure of the mullahs in Tehran? Well, I think that that's it. Uh, diplomacy will be needed to combat the Iranian nuclear challenge, but it should be good diplomacy, principled diplomacy. And what that means is getting a fix that actually addresses the ballistic missile threat, which in March 2016, Iran tested a nuclear-capable, medium-range ballistic missile with the words written on it, uh, Death to Israel. Uh, so that, to me, that's that's pretty much incitement, uh, case in point. So it's the flight testing of those missiles that a uh, a nuclear deal should actually attempt to address. It's uh, access to military sites where there's likely weaponization activities going on. So broadening the scope of the deal and making sure that if the U.S. is is waiving its key tools of financial warfare, economic sanctions, it's doing so because the plethora of Iran's threats are being countered, not just one or two. And clearly, Iran wants to drive a wedge between Europe and and the United Absolutely. States. Absolutely. In fact, uh, President Rouhani, back in the day when he was chief nuclear negotiator from 2003 to 2005, he bragged that under his tenure, um, Iran was not referred to the Security Council. Its nuclear case was dealt with uh, explicitly in the International Atomic Energy Agency, and that he had basically uh, used Europe against America. And that time it was Bush administration. Okay. Uh, the goal here is, is uh, simply to do the same, is to sick Europe, to sick international institutions like the UN uh, and the Security Council on America. Thank you so much for the time, uh, Mr. Talablu. I appreciate it. And we'll see what happens on the on the 12th of May. That's right. Thank you so much. There's uh, Ben um, Ben uh, Talablu from the, uh, let me get this correct, the Foundation for Defense of Democracies think tank in Washington, D.C. When we come back, we'll tell you in detail what we'll talk about in the next hour, but I'll give you this hint. It has to do with our borders. <laughs> 